Welcome to the Blue Wives Tribe podcast, a place where we share with you strategies, resources, and how to maintain your mental health so you can thrive as a law enforcement officer wife. I'm Nicole Vienna, licensed psychologist, fellow law enforcement officer wife, and founder of Blue Wives Tribe, a global online community for police wives. Welcome, everyone. I want to introduce today's speaker. We have Linda Seitz. Linda is a Southern California native. She and her husband, Brian, have been married 31 years and have three grown children that they've seen off to college, off to the military, and off to marriage. They have two grandbabies thus far and been loving the new joy that those little ones bring. She loves to walk alongside individuals and couples who need relational guidance. She and Brian are high school sweethearts. Aww. <laughs> and early in their marriage, they struggled through being in law for a law enforcement marriage with little knowledge or support for the unique situations that were coming upon them. Linda's desire is to see all couples be successful and thrive in their relationships by learning how to understand the uniqueness and perspective of their spouse. So welcome, Linda. Thank, Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I have been a, a police officer's wife for 32 years now. I love law enforcement couples. And after walking through all of those years and picking up all of these tips and tools along the way, I just really seeking out to nurture couples and just bring about those hot topics that no one really wants to talk about. I love that. <laughs> I love talking about hot topics. <laughs> so Linda, I want to explain to the audience or to our listeners that you have a book out and that's how I found you actually, because I just saw that you were, you know, advertising your book. And so on Instagram, I want to share your handle, which is peaks and valleys, right? Yes. Okay. But Linda's book is called officer involved spouse. And I ordered it a couple weeks ago before I left for vacation actually. And I know it's meant for a seven week, you know, overview like study, yeah. study, but I, I went through it with my husband on the plane on the way to our vacation spot. So uh, we went through it in about like five hours, <laughs> but you know, we really enjoyed it. And so I have some collective notes from him and I first. And so what we found really helpful about this book, my husband wanted me to mention that he found that the words of wisdom um, that you uh, ended each chapter with, I believe were um, super helpful because it ties in that personal experience not just the knowledge pieces, right? Yeah, the personal stories my husband and I kind of talked about while I was gathering the notes for this. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important because people need to know that you were there too. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not just talking from a pedestal somewhere. I'm actually have crawled through the dirt <laughs> with with a law enforcement life. And, and not to say that it in a negative uh, sense, but... It, it really was a journey. And those words of wisdom, I'm praying that will help other couples know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like the personal, the personal words of wisdom as well. <laughs> I identified with some of them. <laughs> um, some of the things I liked as well in the book were you mentioned quite often the small steps. So remember, it's not just big leaps, but small steps. There was constant mental health references in the book and resources. So numbers, uh, fo actual phone numbers to the counseling team and to Safe Call Now. Yeah. So I will also link those in the show notes here, but they're in the book. And my favorite part was, I don't know if this is what Linda calls them, but 
I highlighted some things in here and there was quite a few of them where I wrote truth bomb, (laughs) truth bomb. I literally wrote that in here and I'm like, yes, (laughs) just saying it how it is, you know? So I appreciated that. Um, And so I wanted to kind of give that overview first. And then we had some, I say, I want to keep saying members of our, of our community, which is true, but our listeners as well, uh, questions. So people did submit some, so that's awesome. Before we, I guess, let me back up. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I forgot to your, your intro, your bio. In general, it's like, why, why would I do this? Yes. That is (laughs) one of the questions. I am not an author (laughs) (laughs) at all. Um, So uh, read it and give me some grace because I literally just put my thoughts down on paper. I'm, I'm not... This isn't not anything that I had planned on doing. Many years ago, I went through a lay counseling program at our church, uh, mm-hmm. Saddleback Church, and it was a nine-month program for people who wanted to help other people, um, really. Uh, the waiting list was long. They can't staff that many psychologists at a church, and we had a really big following. So they would train up people to be able to do this. So <clears throat> baby steps, right? right, right. I, I started meeting with women one-on-one and trying to... Uh, figure out what they were struggling with and to see if I could help it, help them with it um, in a biblical sense, but also just getting to know a ton of different personalities, mm-hmm. a ton of different family styles, learning how m- many different people deal with many different struggles in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so it softened me. It gave me grace. It gave me a better listening ear I went through that program, and then a couple of years later, my husband went through that program. Very cool. Um, we were meeting with individuals, and then uh, the the list for the marriages got super long, the waiting list. And so they asked if I would want to begin meeting with marriages. And I reluctantly said yes, but I wanted to help out. So we met with marriage. I met with marriages, and one of the first marriages I met with happened to be a police officer and his wife. How cool. And I thought, wow, here we go. I know exactly what to do, right? <laughs> I've got this. And so they started explaining their struggles and they're n- not unlike any other uh, law enforcement couple struggles. And so I began to talk to her. I began to talk to him and I could tell right away that he had a block. Mm-hmm. He did not want to hear from me. And in this ministry, we did not tell our clients who we were, where we lived, what we did, just because it was such a huge ministry, you kind of wanted to keep your privacy. So I asked one of the supervisors one day if I could bring Brian in on this couple to see if it could work. And with his law enforcement background, he asked a couple questions of this guy. And within two minutes, they were out the door having a private meeting. (laughs) And within four weeks, we were really making some progress together. So That kind of started our ministry with my husband and I meeting with a couple. So it's two on two, Uh which is really nice because it gives a female voice and a male voice. And so through that, we learned so much about couples issues and meeting with them and softening blows and things like that. But I knew that that there had to be a different route for law enforcement specific Mm -hmm. couples. And there were a lot of stories, like you said, words Mm -hmm. of wisdom that we had been through and there would there were a lot of hurdles that we jumped over that I think, wow, if I could help another couple jump over that hurdle, what a blessing that would be. Mm-hmm. And we've already kind of been through the struggle. So to make it easier for some other couples, 
Um, and also keep, keep marriages together, keep families together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a goal. I love it. So I think that kind of answers one of the first questions that, well, actually it's the first one on my list, but it actually came in like about four times. What inspired you to write this book was the the actual question. So anything else to add onto that? I think that's, you kind of answered some of that, but anything else? Um, I think that what put my pen to paper was the night of my husband's retirement where we sat around the table with six other couples. Yes. And I looked around and not one of those officers was with with their original wife. And I thought this needs to change. (laughs) I highlighted that portion in your book. (laughs) I I thought I I was not laughing to laugh to make fun of it, but I was nodding my head and yeah, I... I see that yeah. as well at the retirement dinners and mm-hmm. promotions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, things happen. We have grace for people, obviously, but if we can get in there and prevent it, mm-hmm. wow, what yeah. a blessing. A similar question that came through was what inspired you to start a coaching program, mm. which I haven't gotten into too much, but I didn't see it on your website. So can you tell us a little bit about the yeah. program? I did my initial lay counseling training through Saddleback Church. Once we left Saddleback Church, we had gone, we started going to a different church um, and I still wanted to be involved in that kind of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how am I going to do this in a sense that I'm not going to spend nine years in school? (laughs) How am I going to do this now? And how are people going to trust me? I had the the backing with, with the lay counseling training. And so I went off and it is a really cool program through Light University. So it's a certificate style program. Um, they bank off of Liberty University, which is uh-huh. also a Christian university. So it's actually Christian life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through that and then I went through biblical coaching. And now Light University is also offering uh, first responders mental health oh, wow. coaching. So my husband wow. and I are starting that soon. And so we just keep picking those kinds of things up. And I think it's because we are both retired now. And so it's an amazing way to give back and use your time wisely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I got this message again this morning. Um, and I, I said in the, when I was responding to people in my messages where they could find your book was Amazon. Is there any other place? Cause, and I will link, um, her book in the show notes, but is there anywhere else people can find your book? I, I have it on Amazon and okay. then I self publish through blurb. blurb. Um, it's also on blurb. Okay. So yeah, you can find it there. I will link those in the show notes. All right, great. I kind of want to know more about in, I'm going to start at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Let's dig in. (laughs) I'm I'm, going to start at the beginning. In the book, on page 23, because I think this kind of, and for those of you that may have the book, I'm going to show you on Instagram how I read books. I highlight, I take notes. And so I'm I'm literally going to ask Linda some <laughs> questions off my notes in the book. So if you guys want to turn the page 23, I think this is relevant to what's kind of going on in the, in the kind of the culture, the weather, I, I call it right now, the season of law enforcement. So at the very bottom, it says, yes, you do need friends from the law enforcement world, but not to the detriment of other friendships. Spend your time wisely between these types of friendships in order to gain and maintain a healthy perspective on life. So I think it's important to kind of bring up now because I wrote in here as a note, 
How about right now in the tough times, given the race relations going on between police and the community? I find a lot of people, and I think you referenced this also somewhere else in your book, or maybe it was Brian's part, something about like turning inward, mm-hmm. but to your spouse. But I think a lot of people start to kind of back away when we feel like we're under attack. And so then they turn to only the people that, right, that are supporting them. So then you see all the, I'm only going to hang out with people that are law enforcement friendly and, and all these things. Right. And so, but we do, you know, even as clinicians and, and coaches and, and anyone that works with first responders and the families, we, we, we say it's really healthy to keep, like you mentioned here, a, a variety of friendships. What are your suggestions on how to do that in tough times? Like, like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right now is a completely new story. Right. Like it can't be answered with anything else. The the thing that I was thinking of when you were talking about this is, okay, so let's see, say you have maybe um, an ill child in the hospital. You're going through something that's really impacting your life. It's cutting you to the core and nobody else understands it. So you're probably going to make friends with the other parents in the hospital because Mm -hmm. they know exactly what you're going through. Now, in six months when your child is well, you're not going to need that as much. So I Mm -hmm. think in the police community, it's the same. Like Mm -hmm. right now, it's a tough time. Find your, yeah, find your tribe, find Mm -hmm. your safe people. I think that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, when things kind of start lightening up again, then you can back into some of those other circles of friends. Yeah. You probably know already out of your circle of friends who is a promoter of law enforcement and who is not mm-hmm. by now. So I, I think that those those are safe people and I and I think it's okay. I mean, we're all hurting inside the law enforcement community. So I think it's okay to to stay safe right now. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Nurture yourself a little. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. So it's okay. Right. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> right. You know, and in time, you know, like you mentioned two seasons, there might be a, a new season coming along. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard of Alina Cardone. Have you heard of her? Do you I, know? I don't know why that name sounds familiar, but probably because you, you heard of her husband, Grant Cardone. Okay. Um, he, you know, and honestly, I don't really know too much about him, <laughs> but I just know he's probably more out there in the media, but he, he kind of is an entrepreneur and he runs all these, you know, him and his wife actually run programs now together to teach others how to, you know, be entrepreneurs and have that mindset and those kind of things. So I, I follow a little bit of Alina Cardone's work because I like her messages. And so I think somewhere, what did I see? You, at the end of the page 23, you rate, how about your friendships? Are they balanced? If not, what type of friend weighs too heavy in your life? And does this friendship cause conflict in your marriage? And so that reference there reminded me of Elena Cardone's messages that she sends out. And she says similar, you know, her and Grant both do things for their business and for their relationship. But when other outside factors get in the way and cause conflict in the marriage or in their business, then that's not a person for either of them. Like, how does this serve me? How does that person serve us? Mm -hmm. So tell us more about what you meant there. Does this friendship cause conflict in your marriage? I, I love that having that thought and discussion. Right. Well, I think that, in, in a lot of ways, when, when we meet with couples, it's, it's interesting that 
you might have something going on in your marriage that that's completely fine with the two of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we always say if it's not broken, <laughs> don't fix it. If you feel like your officer is only friends with officers, that's causing a problem, then that's a good conversation to have. If you as a wife are only friends with your kids, friends, moms, and that's causing a problem in your marriage, then you might want to have a good conversation about that. I think when you balance out friendships, it balances out your life. Mm -hmm. Police officers, it's been my experience that I would say 50% of the officers that I've known throughout the years are only friends with officers Mm -hmm. because it's just the safety zone. And I think I, I understand that for times like these, like we were just talking about, but when the world is on average mode, <laughs> you should branch out because other people have different first perspectives and it's yeah. really healthy for your life. And I think it grows your maturity to know your neighbor, mm-hmm. to know someone at church, join a group, uh, volunteer somewhere, you know, yeah. and get to know some different types of people. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for everyone. I mean, teachers wouldn't want to just be friends with teachers because your perspective is so small. Right. So same thing goes with officers. Right. It's such a, you know, a part of emotional intelligence to be able to see the world from another person's viewpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and officers need that sometimes because they're what they deal with on a daily basis. They need to know that that's not all that's out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they may see a sliver of the world, the, the, the most negative, harmful parts of it sometimes. And, and I can definitely identify with that. I mean, as a forensic psychologist, I evaluate people. I think my husband probably hasn't even arrested before. So, or maybe he has, but I mean, I started seeing just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this person could be my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like I could get shot or uh, just because he's off his meds or, you know, he's going to stalk me or, you right. know, and the really bad, bad crimes, you know, and I mean, you, that's all you see day in, day out, you know, so it's, it's really healthy to uh, have others around that's, I like to say, you know, have that, um, you know, different viewpoint, different perspective, have, you know, some sense of innocence, like, oh, that's such a good word. I have that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's um, refreshing and and it balances you. Yes, I agree. So I I like that you mentioned that in your book because it's, it's so important to talk about. How do I get my officer to read this book? (laughs) Right? I I don't know why I wrote it there, but I I did. Do you notice your wife, because she is the spouse of an officer, can take care of situations well with, I don't know why I wrote that there, but I'm like, how can I get him to read this? What are your suggestions? That was just a random question. Right. Well, have him read uh, Brian's chapter first, maybe. The officer's perspective, get them hooked and then drop them back to page 31. But that sentence that you're talking about right there, or that question is really dealing, the whole chapter is dealing with like strengths and strengths and weaknesses because you're a law enforcement family. And I think the officer feels like he's always strong Mm -hmm. and that everyone else is not as strong as he is. Mm -hmm. So they get back home to the house and they want to run the ship again. Right. And what sometimes they don't understand. And sometimes the conflict that comes is the wife is at home saying, Hey, I had this going just fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) without you. So just an acknowledgement that your spouse is your equal Mm -hmm. and 
they are hanging in just like you're hanging in. They're hanging in at home just like you're hanging in at work. And so just to acknowledge that, because I think officers don't tend to want to admit their weakness. It's not, it's not good for them. They're not trained that way, so they shouldn't. But being weak is being strong and knowing that your spouse can be stronger than you at certain times mm-hmm. in your marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, your partners. Mm-hmm. equal partners and it's okay to not always be a hundred percent strong. And that's why you have a, an equal partner because when you're maybe not as strong, your partner can pick up the pieces. And I think my husband and I have actually talked a lot about that in the recent, probably a recent month or so since the, the, this new season, this new unprecedented season we're in right now. And there's times where he's been beaten up and I'm the one that's like, I can't watch you be beaten up. I, there's, I feel there's nothing I can do. And I'm having a pity party for myself while he's the <laughs> one getting the names called. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't be strong for you. And he's like, it's okay. I got you. Right. Aww. And then, you know, we've, you know, we flop back and forth cause he definitely, you know, has his moments, but it's a shared. Yeah. You know, so the acknowledgement's really important. Right. Yeah. Well, the time we're in right now is completely unique. Yeah. Yeah. Let me skip to page 37 because you talk about priorities in this. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So this is um, the week three chapter, page 37. And um, Linda talks about when her and Brian work with couples, the red flag that you guys see are that they haven't prioritized anything. Yeah. And that, are you talking about like (laughs) anything in the marriage and like with the kids or or what? I am just talking about being on that hamster wheel and just doing things over and over and over again, the same way without asking why, Yeah, without having a plan, without having, without living intentionally. That's why we always recommend that they pick up a really big old fashioned calendar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody gets their own color (laughs) (laughs) and you have Sunday night meetings and you sit down and you talk about or Monday night or Tuesday night, you know, with officers, you know, (laughs) weekly make certain that you both have an opportunity to look at what's ahead. Cause I feel like the unknown causes so much anxiety Mm -hmm. And that if you can just put something down on paper and know that you're both in it together and you have a plan, a goal, a dream maybe, then it cuts anxiety. When you cut anxiety, you cut anger and you cut arguments. Yes. So yeah, I'm talking about everything. Yes. I don't, I think that it's just too easy to go from sleeping to eating to working to sleeping to eating. I mean, it's just... To, to do the same thing over and over again, I don't, I don't think that you mature as a marriage. And then if you have a family, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you're modeling appropriate behavior for your kids coming up because you want them to be good spouses and good married partners too. So you kind of have to show them how to do that. So yeah. planning is the, the way. Yeah. And <laughs> way and- to go. And I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tie in my, my mental health piece here is the, (laughs) with the brain, you know, and I've talked about this on my webinars I've done in the past with this group and in our weekly connection calls every Wednesday, which is a kind of designed to be like an online support group, sort of speak, focusing on mental health specifically. 
And I think one of those groups a couple weeks ago, we did talk about why writing things down is so important for your brain because the brain wants to organize and you will lessen your anxiety by writing it down on paper. The brain feels like something's being done. Like, okay, this is organized. Like you're unloading it out of your head. So you're not going to go to bed just, you know, on, on the hamster wheel spinning around, 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 around. <laughs> you will relax. You will feel better. So it, it's a way for your brain to organize and feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a brain issue. It, it really is. It is. And it's, it's so special when you know that something is planned during the week. Mm-hmm. It could even be a date night or family night or, or day. I mean, your officer's probably waking up who knows what time, <laughs> and like you plan around it, but just to know that's coming up, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like a priority. Yeah. 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 Something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. And, and then of course though, with, uh, approaching that with flexibility, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if there's anything that a a law enforcement family knows, it's to be flexible, right? Yes. (laughs) So it's okay to plan and stuff, you know, plan in pencil, a different colored pen, whatever, just with flexibility, of course. (laughs) Page 41, I think it's really important to let people know, and my husband and I are, we've done this in the past and we've talked about how it's not okay and not important. And we set these rules, these kind of boundaries for our own Marriage is that midway through page 41, you said, use kind words, profanity, and even the word divorce is completely off the table. So I think it's important to talk about like, you know, things that are okay and things aren't, that aren't okay to say, even in heated times. And, and we had to actually have that conversation and I'm like, who has the conversation about what you can and cannot say (laughs) in a disagreement or a conflict? We literally had to say, we have to stop saying the divorce. We can't say that word because that's right. not what we mean. Mm-hmm. We need to do a better job at explaining our anger. Yeah. <laughs> so tell yeah. me, tell me why you, you included that as part of the guidelines for communication. Yeah. We kind of came up with something very similar to this when we were a young couple. Um, and it came from our family of origins. Like we both had completely different backgrounds that we were coming from. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to meld it into marriage together and make it work. <laughs> and I was a yeller and a key thrower. And oh, okay. <laughs> he has this way of doing verbal judo that will just cut you to pieces. It's crazy. His was coming from survival, being uh-huh. a young cop. Mine was coming from survival. That's the only way I knew how to express myself. Uh-huh. And we knew that it had to change. You know, kids get just a teeny bit older and start watching you and you're like, uh-oh, uh-huh. like this is not going to fly. We got to figure this out. So through the years, we've definitely made these rules for ourselves. And then when we talk to couples, a lot of the times we ask about their arguments mm-hmm. and all of these things are happening. Mm-hmm. The word divorce, the yelling, the shouting, the slamming doors, uh, the leaving in the car, spending the night at a friend's house, going to a hotel, anything but talking. Yeah. (laughs) So if you say we're going to communicate, we're going to press through, there's, these are some good guidelines to have as a front loading technique Mm -hmm. so that you just know they're there. And when you're having a tough time, you can kind of take a breath and go, okay, wait, let's take a look at. Yeah. How we're really, how we really should talk about this. Yeah. 
this in and of itself is going to not stop arguments because people are different (laughs) and you're always going to not see eye to eye. You're going to have your own opinions. This is not to make you uniform with your spouse and to make you the same. This is just making sure that, yeah, you don't use sarcasm. You don't go down rabbit trails. You don't go into negative history. You don't use you statements that are going to hurt or say words that are going to stay forever. Mm-hmm. It's good to be proactive about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's healthy. It's, it's healthy and okay to have boundaries even mm-hmm. around your own marriage that that's okay. It's, it's how we, I think, show respect to our marriage. Right. And again, it's not a rigidity. Mm-mm. It has flexibility in it too, because you, you can, you can use mine here or you can design your right, own right. things that are important to you. Yeah. And, and like anything you, you pick up a book, you pick up an article, not everything's going to resonate with you. You take what sticks and, and you take what you like and you incorporate it and you leave the rest. There's mm-hmm. And if it works, keep going. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I want to talk a little bit. We kind of touched on it. Stories with your spouse. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by stories? You you start talking about, I think, in page 42. And I want to say if I have a question that I wrote from a a listener. I think that kind of tied in with that. Can you explain more about how to encourage story sharing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's in this chapter where my words of wisdom were about being at a department Christmas party. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a fun ride home. Um, <laughs> I think that it is okay to, again, front load this kind of stuff like, hey, I'm super interested in your job. I love what you do. I love that you help people when you're at work. I love that you solve problems and talk about it beforehand, like, and be understanding as a spouse to be able to say, I understand that if something big happens, you're not going to be able to process it with me right away. And, but just to make sure that it does come out to me somehow, some way, even if it's in a general sense. Mm -hmm. So I don't find out from someone else Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's just not fun. I think, I think this is where the spouse is unlike the spouse of, say, a tax accountant. Right. You have to be understanding. You are a different kind of spouse. Your officer can't share everything with you, but it's okay to talk about what can you share. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for him to say, hey, I had a tough day. I got in a fight, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, I know that a lot of my Instagram Friends too will say, how about that call from the hospital where you get and you're like, Hey, hun, like I'm okay. Something happened today. I'm at the hospital, but I'm okay. It's like, but you're at the hospital. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what other line of work do you actually get calls like that at home? <laughs> you know? So i I mean, it's, it's okay f- for you to tell your officer, I know that you can't share specifics. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is just where you step up and know that you're a unique individual in this Yeah, and you're going to have to be trusting and understanding, but also your officer spouse is going to have to give you a reason to trust. Mm -hmm. So he has to start talking too Mm -hmm. in certain ways. 
Yeah, having that dialogue about these these kind of things is important. We had to have a talk about um, in LA. It's you know I often see my husband on TV before I'd ever hear from him throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like because he was on a, a hostage negotiation team. And so when there were jumpers or those kind of things where they needed a negotiator, I'd often see him. I'm like, why is he answering my text messages? <laughs> then I get messages from friends and other wives like, oh my God, sir, is, is Ryan okay? Like he's out, he's out in Long Beach right now. He's on a bridge. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, so we made an agreement like, hey, I know you get the calls coming through and you know where you're going. Hey, just give me a heads up. So I don't hear about it from like five other wives or like the neighbors or, mm-hmm. you know, cause then I'm like, I just want to be like, Oh yeah, Ryan's fine. You know? So we had to come up with like a little plan. Cause that was always interesting. It's like, Oh yeah. Well, I lived through the first part of a police marriage with no cell phone. <laughs> so <laughs> the LA riots were super fun in 1992 when he was gone for a week. <laughs> Could only call if he got to a yeah. landline and yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of a scary time, but that's what we dealt with then. We didn't know any different. Now, of course. Yeah. There's so many more luxuries. You, you expect immediate communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I sidebar like and ask you about, you, you guys went through the riots. Mm-hmm. Him being on the job. Yeah. How is that different from what's going on right now? social media that is was non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> I only knew it was on the news and I would watch the news to see if I could see him, like you were saying, like yeah. see if I could see him on the news. So I did not know exactly everything that was going on. I was a bit protected. I think it saved my mental health during that time. Mm-hmm. And I think it saved his too, because police officers were protected then. And I think right now they're feeling it. Yeah. So they're hurting too with social media. Mm-hmm. It was a different, it was a different world back then. We made it through the riots. I was just grateful that he was home. He ended up sleeping at the station for a week. Yeah. You could not leave the station and drive on the freeway at that time. The freeways were shut down. The freeways were shut down on ramps, on ramps and off ramps were, you know, unattainable. And um, it was safer for him to be at the station. Was, that was my next, it's probably safer mm-hmm. because even right now, I think some people, maybe our civilian friends and neighbors and stuff don't, people that, I, I think I, I had some neighbors and stuff in our area that didn't quite understand the safety issues that were going on with the uh, demonstrations or protests, um, whatever, which way they, you know, whichever mm-hmm. they wanted to be called that day and people uh, being followed home. Absolutely. So safety. Yeah. Huge. Right. And we, we live in a time too, where all of our personal information is on a bunch of different programs Mm -hmm. in different departments and, and things like that, that you worry, Mm -hmm. what are people going to try and hack into? And it, it was an, it was an uneasy time now that I didn't have to deal with back in LA with the the development of the internet. <laughs> Pros yeah. and cons. Exactly. You mentioned our marriages go through seasons. How do you get through some of the tougher times or the tougher seasons? Uh, uh, listener question. Yeah. Wow. And there's lots of re- different reasons it can be tough, right? Which is why at the end of every chapter here, I have you rate things because 
those were exactly the things that I was feeling and Brian was feeling during our marriage that were kind of off the table as far as conversations. Like we, we had to learn through the process how to talk about these things and that they were okay to talk about. Mm-hmm. Also, I point you in many different times toward your own therapy. I like that. Definitely, definitely. This is a, this is a jumping point book mm-hmm. for you to seek counseling. Um, if you feel like you're going through a tough time in your marriage, then you probably are and you need a middleman. Mm-hmm. You need someone to come alongside you and help. There are some things that two people who are living in the house just don't have the language for mm-hmm. right now. It doesn't mean that you won't always, but you gain tools. Like you, you get an empty toolbox when the pastor calls you man and wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've gone many years and never gone to a marriage retreat or never gone to a conference or never read a book together and kind of revamped the ideas in the book together, you've never done any of that. You have an empty toolbox. <laughs> so look at your toolbox. If you're saying to me, we're having a really tough time in our law enforcement marriage, get some help, get some tools in the toolbox. Cause right now you probably only have a hammer <laughs> and that's just really painful. Yes. <laughs> it's only or, helpful or, or when you're chainsaw. building. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. And, and I think it's important that we all, you know, we, we all need it. It's not just, you know, some couples have problems. No, we all have problems, right? We all have problems. As, as a, as a mental health professional, I had to go to counseling. (laughs) I'm putting that out there. We had a fantastic marriage therapist actually. And, um, and, uh, he's actually down in Huntington beach and, uh, we drove down there every week and made it like a kind of his, some weeks were harder than others, mm-hmm. but we made it kind of like a, um, a date night kind yeah. of sort of speak, not like, a, you know, where we worked on us, you yeah. know, so, and we learn new tools, you know, we don't know everything. And, and like, you know, my husband and I are probably very type A people together. You know, it's like, well, he's a hostage negotiator. Um, I'm a psychologist and we know the tools. We don't always use them. Right. And we need to be reminded and we need to practice them with someone else. So it's really important to go into do counseling every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that can't be emphasized enough. It's like getting your oil changed on your car. Right. Yeah. And we've seen couples too that we've actually said, Hey, let's take a break from marriage, you know, mentoring, because that's what we do. We're not counselors. We mentor. Let's take a break from marriage mentoring. And why don't you guys seek out individual counselors? Because Mm -hmm. like I said before, sometimes things come from your family of origin Mm -hmm. and sometimes things get triggered without you even recognizing it. Yeah. So sometimes it's not a marriage issue. Yeah. It really is an individual issue. And I know that's hard to admit, but like you, I have seen a counselor too, because sometimes you just need to undo things with mm-hmm. someone who's trained and yeah, responsible yeah. with your information. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. And yeah, it's not always a marriage issue. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, we might be quick to say it is, but it's, it, it's not always. And mm-hmm. yeah, you might be able to pop in and see someone for a couple of sessions and then, you know, things might start to get back on track. Exactly. Yeah. So have someone in your Rolodex, you know, have someone in your phone, you know, just someone you can call. Exactly. <laughs> You're right that everyone has moments in life. And I think this is important by the way, too. 
of course, given the time right now too, I mean, it's tense. And so, you know, we talked about in our weekly group too, about giving a little bit more grace towards our spouses and in ourselves with everything that's going on. And I think the community also should have a little bit more grace for our law enforcement uh, spouses. But Linda writes that everyone has moments in life, herself included, and nobody needs to be judged by their behavior, especially if they just messed up a few times. This is called grace. I'm like, yes, like it happens. Stop being so judgmental. Yeah. And that too, that's in a chapter where we're talking a little bit about police officer behavior. Just some of them go sideways and things happen. There is some adultery happening and there are some poor choices. Yeah, You know that some officers are adrenaline junkies, so they could have gotten themselves in trouble with, I don't know, fast cars or uh-huh. um, financial issues, spending too much too soon or, you know, adultery. And, and those things I said, I, I really liked to hear what was happening with Brian's fellow officers, but he did not dish the dirt mm-hmm. on every single officer. And I was saying, I'm so grateful for that because when I did see them at events or picnics or Christmas parties, I could honestly just love on them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to worry about all of the history that I had heard about them because it just, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And Mm -hmm. like you said, just it's, it's time for grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even as spouses, we make mistakes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our our spouses have grace for us. (laughs) True. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit before we run out of time. I want to talk about Brian's chapter because he, did he write, is it I interviewed him. (laughs) Six, chapter six, right? Yeah, I I taped him. I asked him. On on chapter six? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, where's that at? uh, Are you going to release that on Instagram or something? (laughs) Oh, no. No, I taped him so that I could write it. Okay. Yeah, this, I probably did this mm, a couple months before he was about to retire. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, I want you to write a chapter. I want you to write a chapter in... And it, it just so happened that the busyness of work, he's like, can, can you just take me talking about it? Cause I don't have time to write. So this is, this is all an interview I had with him. And I found it fascinating the way that he talked about his academy training and the links I was making between them needing to feel like they're in authority mm-hmm. and how that doesn't match up in a marriage, but, right. but they still need they need it for survival. Right. And that's what the Academy trains them. And so, and that goes back to when you're a spouse, you need to have some, some kind of different understanding Mm -hmm. for who they are, where they came from and what they need to do every night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think ride alongs are amazing. If you can at all (laughs) picture that or gain some kind of knowledge. I mean, you might even know of a book where spouses could really read the daily, nightly events that, uh, that occur that they have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. He talks a lot about how, because his father was a police officer as well, LAPD, that that he just kind of took cues and clues from how he was raised and reenacted them. Yeah. But I'm a different person than his mom. Yeah. So I required different things. And that goes back to love languages too. Like you kind of have to know your spouse. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who are they? What do they need? And I am a listener. 
and I love to get information from people and I love details. Uh-huh. And when people give me details, I feel loved. Right. <laughs> so he had to kind of figure out that what he was doing was really damaging our marriage because I wasn't feeling loved. So yeah, he writes a little bit about that. Yeah. And that's again, like bringing up the the need to have those conversations to even get to know your spouse, like really on a deeper level mm-hmm. and uh, your love language. There's all kinds of tools out there to help facilitate this process. I, that app, and this is not a plug because I don't have any sponsors on this uh, podcast, but five love languages. If you get the app, it's, yes. I think it's free. Right? I think so too. Yeah. And you can just do it there and you can send the the link to your spouse. My, my husband and I did it a while ago. Free, free tools. Another plug for this really quick since we're on it is the uh, Gottman's. Mm. Um, they do all the marriage stuff and psychologists, but they have decks of cards, which I believe his deck of cards is free as well. I don't have it anymore on my phone, but it's the Gottman Institute. Yeah. They do cards of like getting to know your spouse, like just like little play cards. And I have them actually upstairs. I, when I used to do couples back in the, back in the day, (laughs) again, just knowing who your spouse is so you can meet their needs. And and then, you know, likewise, in, in Brian's chapter, um, I thought it was so brave of him to talk about some of this stuff. He of course talks about the Academy days and then he kind of talks about temptation. And you, you touched on that earlier, Linda. Um, Mm -hmm. and he writes, and then I, I think this is a good, good place to also talk about turning inwards towards your spouse, which the Gottmans are big on too. So he, Brian talks about temptations on page 89. And can you maybe explain to us when you were interviewing him, he says like, it, it is during these tempting times that keeping a marriage together gets dicey. (laughs) (laughs) tell me about this I'm not going to read it but unpack that for me what were you guys talking about there what does he mean temptation well I think tempting times yeah 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 I think that you're a man in a uniform right Mm -hmm. the like he says the drugs of society are happy to throw themselves on you if things aren't going well at home you have a different eye Mm -hmm. not to say that anything happened in our marriage but he will say right out like the police department is not a place to keep a strong marriage. It, it's not the, the police department is not going to back you to keep your marriage together. So that's, that's the crux of this book really is let's change that dynamic. Uh-huh. Let's change that dynamic. Let's ask the big questions because when you're hurting as a spouse or an officer and you isolate yourselves and you pull away from the pack you're just like two wildebeests ready to get picked off. I mean, honestly, there's no strength. You're weak. And that goes for both spouses. So everything that is in the book before this and everything that we lived out before this front-loaded that, strengthened that. You don't say the word divorce. You learn how to communicate. You recognize your anger expression so that you can keep your marriage strong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen by itself. You have to work at it. And it's not this, oh, it's so hard, grueling work. It's being selfless and recognizing that putting your spouse above yourself in times like these when you're tempted and reliving all of the good that, that you have in your marriage and your family those are the things you need to look at instead of all the th- temptations. Mm-hmm. And I highlighted this part in his last paragraph, not being understood 
creates the action of turning inward. And mm-hmm. we kind of talked about that a bit earlier. Right. But he writes that, you know, he, Brian goes on to say, you know, he wants, or, or you write, he wants to be with people who understand and generally those people are at work. So that's all that time where they, you know, if spouses get into arguments at home, it's like, they're just going to go hang out with the people from work. Exactly. They get validation there and there's somebody there and they're not being, you know, not in the middle of conflict. Right. Mostly. Right. 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 And, and again, it's, it's all about front loading. I remember when um, Brian got in his shooting in LA and then we talked about it years later and he said, I said, you know, you really didn't open up during that time. You didn't really tell me, you know, I like details. <laughs> I want details. And um, I said, you really didn't tell me anything. And he said, you asked the wrong questions. Uh, and it kind of shut me off. And I needed to go talk to people who understood. Uh-huh. So this book is filled with questions. Ask the right questions, get to know what those questions might be. Ask your spouse, Uh what are the questions that I can ask you? Yeah. How can we talk about A, B, and C? Right. So uh, constantly (laughs) it's going back to the concept of front loading Mm -hmm. and this book, you know, kind of overall is a primer Mm -hmm. to get that going. It definitely is a primer. I mean, I don't know about you as a psychologist, wouldn't you love it if a couple walked in with this book already done? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then you could say, (laughs) actually, this is what we're finding is rating the highest as causing conflict in our marriage. Yes. (laughs) Help us undo this one part. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I'm a big proponent of, um, in general, in practice and professional practice, but in my own life, I'm a big proponent of having roadmaps. Mm -hmm. I just want like something written down for me that I can just follow is so helpful. And then also for my clients, like I am sitting down writing roadmaps for them, whether they, they like it or not. I mean, I'm giving them to them. So (laughs) I've used things in practice before where I've sent them things. And I really find that if you're willing to actually do these kind of things, like use the book, use Linda's book, use whatever book Mm -hmm. resonates with you and spend the time, whether it's like two minutes or five minutes a day, like just put the time into actual, you might, you'll, you'll learn something, you'll grow. Yeah. But if you don't put any effort, any time, you know, then you're, you're doing yourself and your spouse a disservice. So yeah, start, start by picking up a book, picking up this book. Yeah. Right. Open the dialogue, have the conversations. Exactly. Water what you want to grow. Uh Uh What else is important to know about this book or how can, what what would you like to leave our other points that I didn't touch on that you think spouses would want to hear? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important things we've kind of added to our marriage through the years is mentors. We've had a mentor couple that we've met with periodically throughout the years, but then he also has male mentor mm-hmm. who's older than him, who he goes to. And I have the same. Now, is it in the same, is it, are they a couple or just separate individuals? We, you guys separate individuals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Brian's actually happens to be two of the chaplains that he worked with, um, at his police department who he still meets with and gets in touch with and debriefs things of life that he wants to. And, and I do the same on my end. And I feel like that is something that is a safety net mm-hmm. that's put in place 
Brian talks in the book about, you know, getting that, get a, get the old salty, older officer to kind of walk alongside you and ask him questions and stuff like that. Not the one who is negative, (laughs) but the one who has been around, been in a lot of jobs and can really walk you through some stuff that so mentorship probably is, is one of our most important key components. When we meet with marriages, we ask them right away, we'll, we'll be your mentor through this process, but get a mentor from now, you know, find one during the next nine weeks work together. Because when we hand you off, you're going to want someone to back you. You're going to want someone to ask questions of. And I think that's completely healthy. Another thing that we've added to our marriage, we weren't Christians when we first got married, but then we kind of uh, got invited to church and you can read our story, but through the years, we've definitely found that foundation to be one of the healthiest things that, that we've ever done is to kind of surrender ourselves and our marriage over to God and recognize that there's nothing new under the sun <laughs> and anything you want to know is pretty much in the Bible. So if you want to live your life in a healthy manner, it's okay as an officer to hand your authority over to only one person. And that would be the, the fatherhood of God, you uh-huh. know, and the Trinity that would help explain life a little bit better, help make things make sense. And boy, do we need that now uh-huh. when nothing in this world is making sense. But he, God is the same and God still makes sense. So that's something that you can always fall back on. Yeah. Mentors, where can people find mentors? Like marriage mentors. Right. I know. Do you mentor? I wish there were more. (laughs) Yes, we mentor. And we're starting our Rebuild Your Marriage class online. We just finished a video series. So we're starting that in August. And I have offered my mentorship services via email through the whole nine weeks that we're together. Okay. So I'm excited about that. And I hope to meet up with a lot of couples that way. Um, But we we, uh, generally find them at church. Okay. Yeah. Because... You have people at church who are wanting to serve mm-hmm. and they want to give of themselves and they're a little older and they've kind of done their time and they've been through lots of scenarios and lots of predicaments in their life. And they, you want their knowledge, you want their wisdom mm-hmm. and they'll share it with you. So if people want to find, learn a little bit more about your mentoring services, mm-hmm. I can link your website also in yeah. show notes. Peaksandvalleys.life. We're there for Christian marriages, law enforcement marriages, mm-hmm. and we also speak and teach and write and all, all kinds of things. Fantastic. <laughs> Just care in general. <laughs> and I have one last question, kind of surprise last question. <laughs> I think this is a missing area in a lot of the uh, support systems out there. And I've, I've read about, I've read these comments here and there on different pages. Your husband, Brian, he retired as a captain. Yes. As from a large department, correct? Yeah. So if you can speak to it, how are the stressors different being a captain's wife, right? The mm. administrative kind of like as, as um, officers start to promote and that kind of stuff, there comes, I think some different stressors with those type of jobs mm-hmm. still the, the same as, as patrol officers, but you know, you're adding other kinds of stressors. And yeah. so I see that in the different um, wife pages and groups and stuff. People are like, I don't have the patrol issues anymore, <laughs> but I've got 
these issues. <laughs> no one's talking about them. Yeah. And I definitely can identify with my husband being a lieutenant. I feel like his phone is never off Yeah, or he's never off work right. for different reasons. So t- can you maybe touch on that? Since I have someone, I'm like, gosh, her husband was a captain. I've got to ask this question. <laughs> I think for him, he will tell you that he loved being a patrol officer. Of course. Um, he loved the action um, yes. and he didn't love the injuries that came with it. And as his body aged, he almost needed to promote. He did detective for a while. He did undercover narcs. He did child and elder abuse. He worked his way up through that. He's overseen lots of different departments and lots of different units in the department and um, I think the, mo- the most difficult thing about promoting is that you lose touch with the street officers, which he loves because he loves to mentor. Mm-hmm. And it changes your relationship with them. And it, it, it I think it bothered him yeah. to ha- have to have that relationship changed because you enter into a more of a political arena, you know more, you find out more and you're responsible for more. So you have to make different decisions that aren't always popular. And I think it broke his heart a little at a time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, hopefully, um, any wife out there who's listening, your husband, if they, if they do promote to captain or chief, you are old enough and your marriage is long enough. (laughs) Where you've got that foundation to stand on, because yes, it is 24-hour phone, Mm -hmm. called in all the time, always making decisions, very high stress, high blood pressure medication, all the things that go into it. And then retirement is another thing altogether. You think that you're going to immediately cut your ties and just have this freedom, but what you don't understand is that you have to re-enter back into society mm-hmm. <laughs> in a really slow, planned manner and not be hard on yourself. Like, why aren't I relaxing? Why do I feel like I'm calling in sick every day? Mm-hmm. This feels weird. And then it's also the dynamic at home because I had been home for a year before he got home. Mm-hmm. And so I would walk downstairs and be like, dude, you're in my chair. Right. <laughs> Why are you home? You're normally at work at this time. Like we got to work this out. So even as an older marriage, we were like, let's get the calendar out and let's try and figure out a plan so that we're just not surprised by every day. But yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question a little bit. Yeah. I mean, retirement definitely is an adjustment. And I know in the, my husband's department, they actually, I have a colleague that put together a whole program, like workshop series and stuff on the uh, transition to retirement. (laughs) And I think it's important, you know, going back to the initial question, it's important for some of the um, younger officers out there to hear and the spouses of the younger officers, you know, to hear that the folks up there in in admin, as they call it, right. Yeah. Or the brass. Yeah. (laughs) The relationship changes and that does break their heart, you know, and they're making decisions that aren't popular and trust me, they are losing sleep. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not that they are just doing things to do things. Um, so that there's a whole another set of stressors that come with administrative work. And, and like you mentioned Mm -hmm. too, political, uh, stress, which is just, especially right now is just it's terrible. Yeah, I think terrible. I think Brian would want all the younger officers to know that his heart didn't change. Yeah. His heart, his mind, and his need to nurture 
it never changed. Mm-hmm. It just had to turn a corner out of necessity. Right. As we uh, come to a close and sign off, I do ask all of the guests to give me a crazy but true fact about themselves. So (laughs) I love Linda's because I actually watched this show. So now I'm going to have to go look it up. Linda was on Trading Spaces in 2003 um, and a lot of TV crew model uh, remodel a home a home, a room yeah. in her home yeah. while we did the same to our neighbors. What? Do you remember trading spaces? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. Can you just see the font right now? It's like red yeah. and blue and it's yeah, uh-huh. very popular. Um, Ty was the construction yes, guy. I love him. Yeah. And <laughs> we got to work with Frank at our neighbor's house. So jealous. So cute. <laughs> um, so sweet. We, yeah, that's a fun fact about us because you can, you can see us on trading spaces. Yeah. Um, sometimes people are like, do you look familiar? And I'm like, well, I don't know if you watch Trading Spaces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we really wanted this. Our neighbors across the street and us. And so. Wow. I'm sorry. My phone. <laughs> that's my husband's ringtone. That's awesome. <laughs> Please leave that in. That's my, amazing. Uh, <laughs> my, what song is that? It's uh, the Top Gun song. Yeah. <laughs> my my phone must be Bluetooth to this uh to my podcast equipment. <laughs> it's awesome. Fun, also fun fact, um, oh, when we got married, you know how you enter the reception? Yes. We entered it to the Top oh, Gun song. Cool. Yeah. Top Gun's my favorite movie, so. But yeah, Trading Space was super fun. The crew came out and they were awesome. wanting to see if we were good for it. And so we put signs up and down our street, like, you want to pick us. This is why you want to pick yeah. us. And we redid our um, neighbor's master bedroom and we turned it into a coffee bar. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Still had a What's bed, that? but we brought in like a bar and a refrigerator and like a coffee pot and all these <sighs> kind of fun things. And they did our loft and... Um, it was kind of funky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, what I'll That's do the, is uh, I'll, I'll post some pictures on my Instagram so yeah. you guys can see what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> 15 minutes of fame. 30 minutes. How long was that show? It was like an hour, huh? I think it's an hour. They edit it kind of funky. Yeah. but <laughs> That's super cool. So, well, thank you for coming on the podcast again. I'm I appreciate so happy it. happy to be here. I just want to nurture law enforcement yeah. right now. And it's, it's so needed and appreciative. Oh. We, we, we definitely appreciate it. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you. For our members and audience out there, as always, please tag us with your favorite takeaways at Blue Wives Tribe on Instagram. If you love this episode, please subscribe and download some more. Leave us a review to help us get the show out there to other police wives and girlfriends. Tell us what you enjoyed and what other police wife topics or mental health topics you want to hear about in the future. Don't forget to hashtag BWT podcast and hashtag Blue Wives Tribe. Until next time, stay safe out there.